Hello, I'm Dr. Greg Winteregg, CEO of the Private Dentist Alliance. I want to talk to all of you students out there today who are wondering what your future is going to be like as a career in dentistry, as an assistant, as a hygienist, as a dentist, where is this profession going with the rapid increase of the DSO movement? I'm here to tell you the PDA is going to help you and I want you to become a member today. It is free. Now, why should you become a member? You're gonna get weekly video updates from me and you're gonna get regular updates of our newsletters from the Alliance on exactly what is happening and how we are going to help preserve and protect the private practice of dentistry. Now to me, the most important advantage is you are going to get access to our job board. What is that? Our private practicing members all have access to our PDA job board, which means if they have an opening in their private practice of assistant, hygienist, doctor, front office staff, they're going to be able to post it. And you're gonna be able to check up regularly. And as our membership grows, we're gonna be covering larger and larger territories across the United States. If you are looking for a job in any position in the office of a private practice, you need to become a student member today. It is free. Go to www.privatedental.org and become a student member today. You're going to love your benefits. Do it now. What is up, guys? It's your boy, Matt Havis, back out of the Dental Student Vibes podcast. It has been a hot minute, so today we thought we'd sit down we do a little sum, uh, summarization with Cole about what he's doing in his D3 clinics, everything he's learning, the procedures that's going on, his transition from sim lab into clinic. Check it out. Listen to it. Let's see if your D3 year or your clinical ex experiences within your dental schools are comparing to Cole's. Let us know. We would love to hear from you guys. We want to see what things are like as things kind of clear up from COVID. So shoot us a DM on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, about Cole's experience, let, and we would love to hear about yours. So give us a like, comment, review, all that jazz. We love hearing from you guys. So as always, let's stay safe and vibe on. Welcome back, Dental Student Vibes. We're back at it again. Dr. Havis, Dr. Herzik, I'm Seth Kalish. How are you guys doing? Aces. Can't complain. Things are good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we're doing a lot of things these days, super busy. But we want to talk to you guys about clinic. We're in our D4 year. Cole's in his D3 year. And Cole just entered clinic for the first time a few months ago. So, Cole, let's, uh, let's jump right into it. What is D3 year like? D3 year is just like you guys said. Um, it's a lot of uh, feeding you to the sharks and, um, you know, kind of, letting you on your own devices, figuring it out on your own. Um, it's a lot all at once, but once you kind of figure it out and get your groove, get Axiom under your belt a little bit better, it's, uh, it's honestly fantastic. It's great to have your own schedule, to be able to really feel like you're your own practitioner, be able to pull up your schedule, see your open spots, fill it with some patients, look at your active treatment plans that you have, formulating your new ones, really feeling like you're, you're truly in the trenches and you're being the dentist. So honestly, it's a great experience thus far. Um, honestly, wish I had more hours in a day. I think that's my biggest complaint right now. I feel like I don't have enough hours in a day to do all that I want to do. Right. So what, what, um, what do you think takes up most of your time? Like, since you're saying that you don't have enough hours in the day, I mean, clinic is so busy, you know, you're not only, I mean, the biggest thing is that you don't have an assistant. Right. <laughs> 
if we had assistance, we could go twice, triple, quadruple times as fast, you know? Oh, yeah. You have to literally set up, break down the room, but you also have to hold your own suction while you're drilling in with the other hand. So With a mirror in your hand. With yeah. <laughs> you have the suction bent, hooked around one finger like this, and the mirror is, like, getting all foggy, and you're just trying to drill, and you can't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. I know, literally. I um, Yeah, no, I think my biggest, like I said, the for the time is we have 7 a.m. class, too, Monday through Friday. Um, so that's the biggest thing. It's, you know, if you have a really busy day and class is going to go from 7 to 7.50 to sometimes 8 o'clock and you have huddle at 8 o'clock and huddle could last a while. So you sometimes need to set up beforehand if it's a big procedure. So on a morning when I was going to have major surgery, I had to get there really early at 6.30, set up, jet over to class after I set up do class, run back over, do huddle, then set up the rest of the way and kind of plan on my day. And then I had a one o'clock patient too. So, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty busy. It's a packed day. And then by the time five o'clock rolls around, you're exhausted, but you know, we still live an active lifestyle. So we want to decompress and go to the gym, but then you have so much other things that you need to do. And it's already like eight o'clock then by all that time, all that rolls around. So, you know, you feel like you need another two, three hours of productivity throughout your day, but where are you going to find that? And still sleep. Yeah. And no, you don't need to sleep. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's what caffeine is for. <laughs> yes. I do find myself drinking a lot more coffee. So yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Cause it's, a, it's, it's a lot of do stuff now rather than just sitting around studying, which is also tiring, but it's like, you're running around, you're treating patients, setting up, breaking down, you know, you're doing all this stuff. And then you have to like find time for lunch where your lunch could just be uh, you know, you sneak into the wet lab and have a protein bar without anyone looking and then finish chewing it as you're, you know, walking in and see your patient you know, as you're doing your lab work, pouring out models, you know, because you got a denture coming in or whatever. So it's just a lot of, you know, a, a lot of different things that lead to, you know, just like time consuming activities. And then you just, you can't do what you would normally do. And then it brings us to the point, like, this is where you learn to appreciate your lab and appreciate your assistance someday, because, you know, like for a denture, you have to do everything yourself. Meanwhile, you take an impression, send it to the lab, and then a denture magically appears like two weeks later. And it's just, you, you just learn like setting teeth, sticks and if people get paid to do this let them do it you know we just learn to appreciate it here because have you done a denture case yet not a denture case yet but i know what you mean about you know kind of force feeding yourself really quickly in the wet lab i had a day where i booked myself three patients and it was a little too overzealous but i i said i was going to do it and i did it but it was really busy and where i booked myself an, an endo consult with a coe and then another endo consult the same morning knocked all that out and then in the afternoon i had a perio maintenance plus perio consult so I tried to make sure that I got all that done. And my day was so busy that I ran into the cafeteria and literally it was a vending machine lunch. I didn't have time to get, eat the food that I had. I had like four minutes. And in four minutes, I had like two protein bars. I gulfed those down and then I ran right back over and I had my afternoon patient. So you just get it done. Right. So let's, let's break down what clinic is like for all of those that are listening that don't really know what clinic is like. So um, end of dental school. Uh, you start seeing patients and a lot of times, I mean, it's, it's so different in every school, but we have our own operatories and we got our own chair and basically you treat your patients, you do your exam, then you do your treatment and you have a preceptor in the room who's basically a doctor who's there, um, who's either part-time or full-time and they'll help you out. They'll kind of walk you through stuff, give you, I mean, a lot of times the hardest stuff is the treatment planning, you know? They'll walk you through the treatment planning. And then you also have specialists coming around here and there. And so you'll have like consults as if you sent it out to an external provider, 
but you know, sometimes you can't do everything out of dental school as we all know. So you do have to send it out to external providers. And I'd say probably the biggest thing besides like you having to do every step of every process, except for like calling the patient most of the time is, um, it, it's really like you're, you're, you're touching every single step, you know, like, we, like we already said, break down, uh, put everything together. You have to like get all of your materials in order, all, all of that sort of stuff. And then you don't have an assistant. And the other thing is you have long appointments. So you're sitting there with the patient the whole time and you got to learn how to become a people person and talk to the same person for three hours, make small talk, this and that, all that sort of stuff. Right. In the waiting. I mean, that was the biggest thing for me too, is, you know, it's usually, it's been pretty good thus far um, because, you know, it's kind of the beginning of the year. Everyone's kind of on different paces and schedules with seeing patients. But once we really start getting up to speed and everyone starts really seeing two patients every single day, um, it's going to be get crazy with the waiting. Um, you know, I need my preceptor, but everybody else does at the same time. So what I try to do is I've been really good about my time in that I really only have them come in twice if it's something simple. Um, come in for a star check in the beginning, say hello to the patient, and then done after I've done everything. I've already planned their appointment. I've already written a note. I've already completed their treatment for the day, and I've typed everything up, and I've got all my ducks in a row already so that they're not constantly coming back there because I feel like that's another piece that you, at the beginning you don't really have – that know-it-all to really get everything done so that they only really need to come in twice on like say a perio maintenance or a recall appointment. I mean, of course, if they're going to come in for surgery or, you know, like they're doing some fillings and they need to check every little thing, that's a little bit different. But if it's something that can just be avoided where they come in real quick and then they come in at the end, it's great to have everything in order done so that when they come in, you have everything you can present it to them. So you're not one wasting their time and then wasting the patient's time too, because they feel like, Oh God, again, another thing they have to come in here for. That's another big thing with the paperwork. And that's a lot of things. I mean, you don't really have that in a lot of private practices, all the paperwork that we have to do as students. You know, we have to fill out a lot of forms. We have to document literally everything. And then we also need on top of that, a preceptor to swipe off every little thing that we do. I mean, I can't tell you guys how many times that when they start doing, I'm sure you guys ran into this too. When you start doing treatment plans, you literally need them to swipe once click patient accept, have them swipe again, how many times the preceptor will just quickly swipe and run out of the room, forgetting that they need to swipe one more time seconds later. So I think that's another big thing. You wait in line more, you're D3-er than you do at Disney. Like you really do. It's, I, I remember that now. Like it, it's, 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 a, it's a struggle bus because you'll be sitting there and you, you know, oh yeah doctor's coming, whatever. And you're just sitting there, patient's staring at you. She's like, can we do something already? And, you know, and you're just waiting for the start check, you know, doctor's coming, no, no, don't worry. And the doctor's like jogging back and forth, swiping and taking off again. Like it's a, it's a struggle. I, I feel for you because in your fourth year, you kind of, you know, you, you move past that, but it's, it, it's, it's a struggle definitely. But you, I mean, like, again, like you just make the most out of it. So like you could get stuff done, like going while you're waiting for like star check or like treatment plan swipes or whatever you could, you could easily start doing those other things. Like I used to just like, if I was doing a COE or whatever, and I would, I would just start, like I would just start looking in the mouth through head and, head and neck exam, nothing that you can't, you know, undo, you know, like just say, Oh, don't touch the patient, whatever, you know, it sounds bad, but like, I would just get moving because I would want to start and finish. I would try to finish a COE in one appointment and you never know like if you're doing a COE and you got to wait for, you know, to take your FMX and there's four people in line for an FMX, you'll be waiting all day for this thing, you know? So you complete everything up until that point, make that your last thing. You know, if, if that was the case and you, you know, 
you do that. I mean, it's just, you know, it's about using the time wisely and you get to plan. I, I think the hardest part about clinic is if you try to book like double book or something like that, and you don't have the, uh, the instruments you need because you use them on your first patient. That's tough. Yeah. You know, true. Yeah. Yeah, you just, you just wipe them with your cavity. Yeah, you wipe it with your scrub. Just take it like this and <laughs> keep going. <laughs> We're kidding. We're kidding. Yeah. You're going to have to get a couple of basic setups. Like I've run into that problem a few times now. Like on the days that I booked three, you know, I were only given like two or three basic setups. Mm-hmm. So then, God forbid the autoclave isn't finished. Then I'm like, oh God, well, what do I do now? Just for a basic setup. I just need a damn explorer. Right. I think what we need to do is we need to make industrial grade autoclaves and just sell them to all the dental schools because we put a beating on those things they run 24 7 they have to because it's not meant for 10 different people to have to run instruments all day long well when you move to central serialization that's what they get oh really they have like the bigger ones yeah okay yeah then they're like super expensive but so cool so what uh what would you say is so how long you been in clinic now it was like we're now in middle july it's been about a month and a half two months okay so, so you've had like probably most experiences by now. What, uh, what do you think is like the most rewarding thing so far? Most rewarding thing so far? Honestly, I didn't think so. I'm not probably going to do a lot of it as a private practitioner, but doing SRP, um, I think has been the most rewarding, um, believe it or not. Um, because some of my patients that I've done my SRP on, they just had a ton of calculus, both sub G and supra. Um, and I mean, it's just crazy to just see the difference. I even had, I had a D2 come in and assist me one of the days as one of his uh, sign-offs and just to see the transition of the patient, I did their full mandible, um, the same day because the man requested it. Um, and just to see the difference between how he started and how he ended and just the cleanliness that we got him after was phenomenal. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think the second thing that I can attribute that to is surgery. Um, I had another man that was just like crying in pain at an NPS appointment. And the next appointment I said, we're going to do your COE. And if I get the seal of approval from the oral surgeon, we'll get that tooth out. Sure enough, we got the seal of approval. And rather than finish the COE, we took that tooth out. And oh my God, that man practically kissed my feet, you know, once we took that tooth out. So I think that was super rewarding too. And the fact that I could keep him numb and he didn't feel anything other than some pressure was another big thing because it's pretty challenging. He's a molar. Right. So you're saying that seeing the, I guess, like the before and after the transition and the health of the patient and seeing how they progress and how you're helping them uh, move forwards with their, with their overall health is yeah, really. So honestly, that's a good summary. I think just seeing the before and after and not only in the before and after in the visual, but the before and after how they feel. I think that's super important also. Right. Mm-hmm. And for those of those listening, um, an SRP is just like a deep cleaning in a nutshell. So, but it's definitely, yeah, you can make a, you, you can make a huge difference in uh, patients' lives. So now that's, that's the most rewarding thing. What do you think has been one of your biggest challenges so far? Ooh, biggest challenges. I think you hit it right on the head when you're talking about treatment planning, um, coming up with um, accurate treatment plans, uh, especially for complex cases. I think I've had, I, in comparison to the, a lot of people in my clinic, and I probably even venture to say a lot of the people in most of the clinics at my school have had the most number of COEs. I had probably the first two or three weeks, I had three, like probably three COEs a week for the first three weeks. So I had like nine COEs right off the bat that I just had to put together. And of those nine, 
about two to three of them were very complex to where after everything has been said and done, they need between four to $6,000 worth of treatment, um, putting everything together. Um, and not from expensive things either, just like putting hodgepodge things all together to make them an accurate treatment plan to treat everything that they have. Um, and to just kind of like properly phase and sequence that, that's another thing that we have to do in school. And I'm sure other schools have to do it too, to put it in a proper phase and sequence based on is it diagnostic information we're doing? Are we doing disease control? Is it definitive treatment or is it just, you know, maintenance? So putting that and staging all of that in the proper sequence that we need to, and then coming up what's going to be the best option for the patient, taking a lot of things into consideration, you know, their age, how much they're willing to spend on something, um, their pain tolerance, on, you know what I mean? Like putting all that together and putting something together that they're going to accept. You know, I could create this Mac Daddy treatment plan that's phenomenal dentistry, but at the end of the day, are they going to say yes and let me do it? Or they, is the school going to let me do it because some of it's a little bit more complex? So I'd say two or three of my patients have super complex things that, to be honest, I've had two preceptors tell me on one patient in particular, this should have never been a school setting patient, but here we are, let's try to do what we can. Right. And I understand what you're saying about getting the patient to accept the treatment plan. And I was talking to Matt about this today. Um, and I've heard a lot of people, I mean, case acceptance and case presentation is like one of the biggest things. The first thing that you have to do with case presentation doesn't even start with the case presentation. It starts with walking in the door and establishing trust and rapport, right? But also uh, like page, patient education helps. But the I think the absolute number one thing is trying to get the patient to understand like the value of the treatment. Like how, if they value a car, oh, I'm going, I'm going to get a new car like, you know, next week, they're not going to spend money on dental treatment or something like that. But if they understand like the value of spend $10,000, get your teeth fixed and you help them, you help convey the value of the dentistry, then they might have a stronger consideration of getting the, the dentistry over the car. You, you get what I'm saying. Right. So it's really like conveying like value. I mean, mm -hmm. you could, you could say that about anything, you know, it's yeah. just trying to help the patients understand, but this isn't, I mean, you could say, same thing for a car salesman. They're trying to get you to understand the value of the car. But here we are like doing something serious that can seriously affect uh, patients' health. So, yeah. I mean, it's you don't really have to sell. Like it sells itself. It's just how you kind of bring it all together and convey it to the patient. And everyone's, everyone's different. I mean, I have a patient that, I mean, who would think that I treatment plan for, I've, it's now changed. It's four gold crowns and a gold three unit bridge. Who would ever think a patient would go for that? But I have a gentleman that like, that's all he wants in his body. He said, if it's not gold, it's not going in my mouth. <laughs> so everyone's different. You know what I mean? And I would have never thought to treatment plan gold for this man's mouth. Had we not had this good conversation about these gold inlays and onlays that he has in his mouth currently. And he goes, oh man, those have been there for 50 years. They're my favorite things that I have. Nothing else in my body is going to be anything but gold. So <laughs> You know, hey, you know, it's learning those little quirks like that. You know, other people be like, hell no, I'm not having gold in my mouth. Right. Yeah. And and honestly, like if when you see, I mean, for me, I could just appreciate the gold in the mouth. Like I've seen patients where they have just beautiful gold measures. I'm like, how old is this? And they're like, I don't know. I think it's from like the 70s. And I'm like, what? And you look at the margins, like it's almost like wine it just gets better with age. Like you just the margins like like it like fuses to the tooth, like decay, like there's no form of decay getting under that thing. 
and it's it's just incredible just beautiful work and everything but again it's also not two colors you know the way culture works and society moves away from that stuff and everything even though it's probably one of the best materials you could put in your mouth it's it's truly incredible but the nice thing though is pro tip cut the crowns off and sell them to the pawn shops you get money for it you're supposed to give it back to the patient if the patient says hey hey if the patient wants it it's their property but in my experience i've cut off two gold crowns on two very old people they could care less they're getting their aarp money with their cards and everything they got social security coming they don't need the crown they're like i'm not i'm not doing this i'll take the crown off your hands sold to the pawn shop 70 bucks just like that so what we're saying is matt found his new side hustle i'm never going to matt as the dentist That's okay. Well, if you I'm gonna walk gold, out and I'm not gonna have any teeth left. He's gonna take all my teeth. And do you have any gold? No. <laughs> Your teeth are safe then. <laughs> he's, gonna take one, he's gonna take one of my kidneys. Like, I hear they go for maybe a piece of liver too. I hear that yeah. goes for a lot. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I, I mean, definitely things to think about when it, it comes to like like gold restoration stuff like that. <laughs> Matt, Matt's message here. You find a patient. You find a patient with gold crowns. With gold crowns. You try and take their gold. I, no, I, I have a better one. That's that's. You got a patient with gold crowns. Send them my way <laughs> instead. <laughs> Anyways, all right. We'll get back on topic. This I just had to joke around a little, but um, oh, man. like on, honestly though, like I I. I I see what you're saying. Like, like I, I found in it, no matter where you are in in clinic, no matter what city you're in, he's <laughs> gonna say no matter where you are, there's still patients with gold. Crowns. There's still gold out there, and I want it. No, but 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 realistically though, like it it all it also depends. Like no matter what treatment plan you're trying to sell, no matter how much money it's worth, the main goal is you have to be able to like reach the patient because some patients are gonna value their mouths more than others. And that's extremely important because my favorite example to use is like I, for instance, I use my patient today has like a hairline crack in their in their uh, first premolar, and we're gonna have to do something about that. And she's like, oh, no, it's fine, it's not bothering me. I said, what if you had like a like a growth on your finger or an infection on your finger? You're just gonna tell the doctor, cut it off. I don't need. I got nine others. And like, no, 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 I, I, I would get that fixed. Okay, that's. I said, what about your tooth? I said, why? Because you got 29 other teeth? I said, think about it. I said, you're, you're going to lose this tooth and you have a big like, black space right there. I said, is that something that you'd be interested in? No, because you're not going in, you're not in competition with other dentists trying to sell treatment plants. You're in competition with Best Buy, uh, gas station, whatever, like anything that they could buy on a day-to-day basis because somebody would rather take that thousand bucks that they spent on like a crown or whatever and put it towards a big screen TV. You know, you buy the tooth that's in your mouth, you forget about it. You just brush it every so often. Like, that's it. Like, you know, it's like a patient could easily appreciate a big screen TV to watch the NBA finals on versus the, the tooth. You know, it's like they, they would spend the money because they have to because they're responsible. But some patients would be like, I'm okay with just losing the tooth. Then I talk about, okay, so you lose that tooth, the one below it super erupts, it's going to affect occlusion. We pull that tooth. Then the one in back, uh, drifts into that one then you lose that tooth. And I said you see how it likes like domino effects or whatever and you, you have to simplify it to the patient so they can understand because they didn't go to dental school but you explain that to them and all of that stuff hopefully makes sense and that you make you let them make a more well-informed decision about their body you know and I told them I said whether you choose this or not I'm going to get my eight hours tonight but I would like you to be able to go home and be comfortable without pain, knowing that you have a healthy mouth and that everything has been taken care of. Because what's going to end up happening is you're going to wake up in the, in the middle of the night on a Saturday night, 
and you're going to be in throbbing pain. You're going to call the office. And I said, I'm two beers in, I can't come in and you're going to the ER. And I said, all they're going to do is they're going to charge you a lot of money to put you in antibiotics. And then you're going to be in my office on Monday where, and where I have to fix a very large problem worth a lot of money rather than fixing, doing a filling right now that you just don't want to pay a hundred bucks for rather than having to pay for the $600 crown or I have to extract the tooth and then place an implant. If you have to do all that stuff, you, you know, it's like you, you let the patient know now rather than putting it off, you know, going to the dentist isn't the most fun thing in the world, no matter who you are. So just try to make them aware and make it worthwhile. Cause if you don't, you, you know, it's, it's ultimately like, it's not a disservice from you to the patient. It's just, if you communicate effectively and try to get on their level in terms of their, you know, knowledge of the dental field, it can help. You know, and it really can make a difference in the treatment that they'd accept and the treatment like that they're aware of. So that's my take on it. That's why I, I had to do that today, actually. I did. So moral of the story, uh, don't call them on Saturday night. And if you got Saturday gold night. crowns, find somebody else. That's that's a good summary. Very crude, yeah. but it's a, it's a good summary. All right, Cole, any lasting uh, last words for our listeners about starting clinic? I think um, don't be afraid to just jump right in. I think the biggest thing... Um, that I, I would take away even just from my first two months is that I haven't been afraid to start anything. I haven't been afraid to jump right into my first crown prep. I already have that under my belt, only a month and a half, two months in. Um, first extract, couple extractions, first filling. Um, don't be afraid to not take it slow because the best way that you're gonna learn is by doing. Um, especially in the beginning, you're gonna get a lot more help than you will later on, which is great. Take all the help that you can get, they have good tips. Your preceptors are there for a reason. The specialists are there for a reason. And all those experiences are there for a reason. I mean, you don't really just do something for the first time after reading it and being an expert in the textbook and then go to do it and expect to just knock it out of the park right away. There's going to be some, you know, they always say there's growing pains. There's going to be some trial and error. Um, you're going to learn what works, what doesn't. Um, so where that, you know, extraction that took you 20 minutes before, the next time you do it, it's going to take you like four, maybe five, if you just knock it out real quick because you learned along the way. So don't be afraid to push yourself and to really apply everything you've learned in practice. Love it. Well Love said. It. All right, Cole. Signing off, Dental Student Vibes. Thank you guys for listening. Catch us on Instagram, Facebook, at dental.student.vibes. Peace out. Bye, Mon. All right, guys. It's your boy, Matt Havis. That's all we have written for our episode with Cole. Checking in with him doing his D3 year, getting that update, hearing what he has to say, hearing the procedures he's doing. We want to hear from you guys. Let us know what you guys think. We had a, a minor siesta. We're back and better than ever. We're recording. We're putting out episodes, and we are running. So let us know what you guys think. Let us know if there's any episodes that you guys would like to hear, any guests that we can find for you, any topics. We want to find these things for you. So as always, follow us on Instagram at dentaloutsoon.vibes. Let us know what you think. Give us a like, comment, and review. And share it with a friend. We love, we love to get new listeners. So as always, stay safe and bye, Bowen.